0: If you're not familiar with what 12 tribes is, most people on trail are gonna refer to them as a cult. They also have a hostel for hikers. It kind of seems like they are targeting hikers for recruitment a little bit.
1: Yeah, my server at the Yellow Deli had been a Southbound hiker the year before. She had come there from Maine, stopped and joined.
0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Trail Tales. My name is Kyle Grady. I am a huge hiking nerd, and every single week on this podcast, I chat with other hiking nerds about their experiences on the trail, and uh, we're going to have a great episode. Maybe a little bit of a controversial one. We'll see. Um, but it's going to be fun. And uh, you know what else is fun? Subscribing to the Trail Tales YouTube channel and leaving a five-freaking-star review for... The show. Have you ever heard me or any podcast you listen to ever say that before? Uh, it's we say it for a reason. Please go do that. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Audrey Glowstick Payne, welcome to Trail Tales. How's it going,
1: Kyle? Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. It's always fun to talk to another 2018 A-tier.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which is something we're going to talk about, actually, um, because Audrey and I, we haven't really talked at all before this episode, I'm not going to lie. And so we both, we know that we hiked in 2018, the AT, but um, we don't know each other's start dates or anything. And so I have a feeling you were probably ahead of me, but I don't know. We'll get into that. But um, first, why don't we just get an introduction, um, talk about what you've hiked we know i guess we got the at but i know you've done some other cool stuff too so talk about all that and kind of just um yeah give an introduction to yourself for everybody listening yeah
1: hey everybody this so my trail name is glow stick and like i said i hiked the at in 2018 and i haven't done any other like big big trails but i've done a ton of backpacking since then Including the Colorado Trail. That's, the a, that's John a pretty trail. decent trail,
0: which to be fair, I know what you mean by big, big, big trails. <sighs> you mean like the big three, yeah. I guess, and stuff. But Colorado Trail is no small feat. Let's not uh, let's not underplay that.
1: <laughs> that's true. Um, also, the Wonderland Trail, the Foothills Trail. I just did the O Circuit in Patagonia back in November, and I've done tons of like shorter or long weekend hikes. I live in Boulder, Colorado, so I'm lucky that I have a lot of access to wilderness and like every weekend in the summer I'm out doing something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great place for a, a backpacking hiking nerd for sure. Um, especially if you like skiing too, cause I guess it'd be a little bit harder in the winter, but, um,
1: Oh yeah. I ski too. You have to, when you live oh, here. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I'm jealous. I love it there. Um, Anyways. Okay, so what is this O circuit thing? I know you had mentioned that to me before. I've never heard of this before.
1: Yeah, the O circuit is a 78-mile loop in Torres del Paine National Park in Chile. So, Patagonia is a shared region between Chile and Argentina, down at the southern tip of South America. And so this is a national park that's down in Patagonia and 78-mile loop. It's kind of like So first of all, it's like one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, hands down. It was incredible. But it's kind of like a backpacking vacation. Like you go out there and you are hiking the loop and you're backpacking, but you have to stay at designated campsites or Mm -hmm. refugios, which are kind of like hostels. And so each day you're getting to one of these campsites or refugios. And usually there's a restaurant there or a little general store. You can get snacks. They have running water and showers. Sounds pretty nice. Not gonna lie. Yeah, it it was it was really nice. It was really nice, especially after like I'd done the John Muir Trail and the Wonderland Trail before that, like this past year, and they were both really tough. And <laughs> I would have loved to, for example, in the middle of the JMT, had a hot shower or a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a luxury. It was really nice.
0: Yeah, the JMT, I've heard. And I guess I've, I've done, you know, a good chunk of it on the PCT, but mm-hmm. resupply is pretty tricky on that. trail. It's not like a super, super long trail, so you probably don't need a ton of resupplies. But I mean, I know it's a, it's over 200 miles, right? It was like 210, something like that.
1: Yeah. So the way my friends and I did it, we started a little bit south of the JMT because that's the easiest way to get permits is coming in through the National Forest. And so we ended up doing like 235 or 240 miles but and we did it in sixteen days. And mm. our first we had to carry food for like nine and a half oh, days. Oh
0: man, that's terrible. That's brutal. Yeah, and was, you had to have a bear canister was too through there, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. It was rough. So I spent my money on like the most lightweight bear can that I could find. Because <laughs> I was and I had to like ration my food. Cause I was like, okay, you get to eat this much food every day and that's it. Because you have to make it, you know, from the start of the trail to Vermillion Valley Resort.
0: Was that the only resupply on the whole JMT for you then?
1: Well, we did a second one, but the second one was kind of dumb. So it was only like, I think a day or a day and a half after we left VVR, we got to Red's Meadow. Uh, And so I'd I'd sent myself a resupply package there and we stopped there for lunch, but it was like, I didn't really need to do that. Yeah. I, I just was like, if I'm going to have to carry nine and a half days of food, I'm going to take advantage of this other resupply point.
0: Yeah. Which I can understand the, the thinking there beforehand. But when you're actually on trail, you're like, okay, I guess I didn't really, but I'm sure you still would have gone to like get a meal and stuff, but maybe you didn't so, need the box.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I had to pay like a 30 or $40 fee to have it sent there too. Oh, interesting. And I just ended up, I just ended up dumping most of it in the resupply box anyway, especially because... VVR has a little general store and they have some amazing hiker boxes like I don't think I would have had to send myself a resupply box to VVR either I could have just resupplied out of their hiker boxes
0: oh wow <laughs> that's a uh, yeah that's interesting um okay so can, can you talk about the permit thing on the JMT a little bit Because that when you whenever anybody tells me that they hiked the JMT the first thing that comes to my mind is like I want to hear about what happens with the permits because I've talked to a lot of people that have tried to get permits for the JMT. You know, I feel like other trails like the PCT, for instance, when you talk about um, other trails that need you need permits for, that is like, you know, the PCT, it's kind of complicated to get a permit. It's you might have to be flexible, but at the end of the day. I feel like pretty much everybody gets a permit that wants a permit. And it might not be the exact dates. It might not be their perfect plans, but like they always end up getting one, right? But in the JMT, I've definitely heard of people that just straight up cannot get a permit. Um, and maybe that. I think
1: they're doing it. I think they're doing it wrong. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. Well, I'm curious to hear about this.
1: Yeah. So the JMT is definitely, it is for sure logistically complicated. And there are essentially three different ways that you can get a permit. Maybe there are more, but these are the three that I know of. So there's a lottery going northbound starting from Mount Whitney. There's a lottery going southbound starting from Yosemite. So you enter those lotteries sometime around now. I don't know the exact dates. And one of those, I think it's the southbound is like a weekly lottery. And northbound is just one big lottery to get permits. Um, and apparently getting the permits through the lottery is pretty hard. I tried both of those ways. I was unsuccessful, even in 2023, which was a crazy snow year. And honestly, the trail was pretty empty. But the easiest way to get a permit, if you're willing to go northbound and tack on some extra miles is through the Inyo National Forest. So you get a wilderness permit through the Inyo National Forest. And it's just like a daily, you get on at 8 a.m. mountain time, and you just try your best, you keep refreshing, and it's first come, first serve. Okay. So when, when I got my permit, I got the day that I wanted, which was a Saturday. And I initially got two, one for me and one for my friend Dory. And then two other friends decided they wanted to come. And so I just like watch the site constantly for cancellations and I was able to end up getting them permits as well. And kind of the nice thing about these first come first serve permits too, is I think they open like 60% of them six months in advance. So I went in August, so I had to get on in February of last year. Mm But then they also open up a bunch of permits like two weeks before. Apparently those used to be walk-up permits, but they don't do walk-up permits since COVID. So they just open them two weeks before. Again, it's first come, first serve. It's on recreation.gov. And so if you haven't gotten a permit by the time two weeks before rolls around, you can again just get on recreation.gov and keep clicking refresh on the date that you want. Mm -hmm. And it's... Like, I actually didn't find it that hard to get a permit. It's just fighting for any permit. just like fighting for any permit on recreation.gov.
0: Yeah. Okay, maybe you mentioned this and I misunderstood. Wait, so how does getting the permit through the National Forest give you a permit to hike the whole JMT?
1: It So it does. It does. So you enter through the Indian National Forest. Um, I, I started at Cottonwood Pass. There's two different start. They're both at the same place, but you can take a route. Over Cottonwood Pass or Cottonwood Lakes. And I initially had permits for Cottonwood Lakes, but there was still a dangerous snow cornice there in August. So like <laughs> the week before I was able to switch out my permits for Cottonwood Pass, go over the pass, which had essentially no snow. And then I just you just put your exit point. My exit point was Happy Isles in Yosemite, which is the official start or end of
0: the JMT. So Okay, interesting. All right. I did not yeah, know that. And, and maybe this is something. Yeah. And again, I've never even researched hiking the JMT clearly. So maybe this is more obvious than I'm making it sound. But um, I don't know. That's that's good to know for sure. Because like, I feel like over the years, I have just heard so many people complain about how difficult it is to get a JMT permit. So I, I, don't know. I
1: heard the same thing. And then I went through the process myself. And I mean, maybe it was just because it was a high snow year. And that's why it was so easy to get permits. But It really wasn't. If if you're organized, I set myself calendar reminders to make sure I was on at the right time, and it really wasn't tough at all. And it give it also gives you the ability to hike up Mount Whitney, so that's not an extra permit like that's included in the permit. Wow. And unlike unlike PCT hikers who can't camp at Guitar Lake, which is just a few miles from Mount Whitney, you can with the JMT permits, and you can with these Inyo National Forest
0: permits. Wow. Okay. Good to know. Definitely. uh, I'm sure there'll be some, some people uh, who've wanted to hike the JMT. I'm sure their ears will be perking up hearing you talk about this because that is one of the big hurdles with that trail. Again, is my understanding. Um, Okay. Let's, let's go back in time a little bit. One thing I always like to ask people is how they first learned about through hiking, how they first got into through hiking. And um, so I want to hear your kind of your journey with that. And what was your first trail that you through hiked?
1: The AT was my first So the first AT trail. was
0: the first one. Okay, so back up even before that. When did you first learn about the AT and through hiking? And then when did you actually decide that you wanted to, like seriously decide that you wanted to do it?
1: Yeah, you know, I had known about the AT for a long time. I'm from the East Coast. I used to work in environmental education after college. And one of my old bosses, who was also a friend of mine, Patrick, he had hiked the AT right after college, I think. And so he would talk about it. And I've always been outdoorsy, but for some reason, I just, I was never interested really in the AT or hiking it. I was just like, Oh, that's a crazy thing that my friend Patrick did. (laughs) And then about 10 years ago, I was dealing with a really horrific back injury. I had herniated a disc in my spine during a group exercise class at the gym. So for people that don't know what that means, we have these discs in between our vertebrae that are basically like helping to protect our spine and helping us to be flexible and have a flexible back. They're discs and they're full of like this jelly-like material. And so one of mine broke open during this group exercise class. um, And some people that herniated disc, they have no idea it happened. It doesn't affect them at all. And for some people like me, it's incredibly painful and really debilitating because the jelly inside of the disc can ooze out and like push on your nerves and just sit there and you know without having the disc in between your spine your spine becomes less stable so for me it was just like horrifically painful it ruined my life for several years and so I had always been really active I've always been really outdoorsy and into exercise but I had to basically give up everything that i was into that's
0: awful and geez
1: yeah it it was horrible um but it did lead me to the at because during that time i was reading a ton because most things hurt like even sitting at my desk or sitting at a restaurant was like horribly painful and so i spent a lot of time reading and i picked up bill bryce's a walk in the woods wow I love it. Which I had, see, I had seen on book, on so many bookshelves because I had worked in environmental education. And like so many people I knew like had it on their bookshelf and I just never wanted to read it. I had no desire. But uh, I think this was around the time, so I was working in movie publicity during all of this in Washington, D.C. And I think they might have come out with the movie around this time. Okay. And, and so anyway, I ended up picking up the book. I absolutely loved it. And just the idea kind of stuck and I was like, okay, if my body is ever going to allow me to do something like this again, like if I'm ever well enough again to do this, I'm going to go do it. And then like four or five years after reading this book, I finally, like I had gotten a spinal fusion. So that's a surgery where they put a piece of bone in my spine where the disc used to be and they cleaned out everything. So after a long recovery from that and being well again, I was like, okay, it's years later. I am feeling much better now and I still want to go do this thing. So I'm going to go do this thing before something else happens to me.
0: Yeah. That's, that's such an awesome, I mean, well, the circumstances aren't awesome, but you know what I mean? Like such like a inspiring story. And one thing I can't help but note is that and maybe you've noticed this too, Audrey. Like I feel like through hikers tend to kind of shit on a walk in the woods. Like that's like the, Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, it's kind of a joke, you know, generalizing here, but that just seems to be the vibe that people kind of get. Like, I'm not going to lie, even myself, like before I left for the AT, I had a, um, not a professor, uh, administrator at my college kind of in my department that learned I was doing the trail and he gave me a copy of a walk in the woods right before I graduated. And I was, Mm -hmm. and, and I was, I was very grateful for that, but like, in my head, I was kind of like this guy. He doesn't get it. Like real, real hikers don't, don't, don't care about a walk in the woods. And so, which was, you know, <laughs> <which> is, <laughs> that's a bad attitude. But, anyways, um, the fact that it was actually like an inspiration for you, I think is cool. Like that's, I think that's, and, and certainly there's other people out there that have a similar story in relation to that book and that movie. But like, I don't know. Just from my experience, it just seems like usually through hikers talk about that that book and movie negatively. And so it's kind of, it's, and I haven't read it, but um, it's kind of cool to hear a different side of that. So I, I'm glad you uh, brought that up. Give some, give a walk yeah, in the woods, some, I... some more credit that it doesn't usually get.
1: <laughs> yeah. I loved the book and you know, so obviously he didn't hike the whole trail and that's everyone's problem with him, but because he didn't hike the whole trail, he filled the book up with a lot of history about the AT a lot of natural history about the AT. And I think that's what I really latched on to. Like, I just found it fascinating. And so like, he'd tell you in depth about these different places that you'd visit on the AT. And so I got really excited to be around those places. So for example, something I always think about, which I find fascinating... Is he talks about this town in Pennsylvania that had a that has a huge underground coal fire that they can't put out. It's still burning. And so it's a ghost town now. Everyone had to leave the town because the ground was sinking and there's this, still this fire. And, I mean, he wrote about this in the nineties. Well, what town is I'm it? I'm pretty sure it's it's like it's called like S- S- Centerville or So it's
0: like nearby something. trail, but it's not like a trail town per se.
1: Yeah, and he talks about trying to, like, go visit the town, and there was all this security around it. And
0: I feel like I've heard about this, too, this town. I don't know. Some, I don't know someone that's it, but... listening
1: can correct me on the name of the town, but it's something like
0: Centerville or something like that. Let's see. Centerville, PA, burning. And C- 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 you were close. Centerville tralia centralia since oh yeah centralia centralia or centralia something like that um interesting i've never i I have heard of it but i didn't know the details and i didn't know it was close to trail but that's that's interesting for sure um i love that
1: yeah and he talked he also talked about like the incredible biological diversity in the Smokies and how there are so many different kinds of salamanders. And I'm a big nature nerd. So all throughout the Smokies, I was like looking for salamanders. And <laughs> it was cool. Cause I ended up meeting this girl through a friend of mine who was doing a PhD, uh, somewhere in Virginia and she was studying salamanders. So I ran into her in Virginia and then she was like telling me how to actually go find the salamanders, which you got to look in the leaf litter like, I was looking under rocks and stuff, but oh. she was like, no, you gotta look in the leaf litter after it rains. And after that, I found out that trick, I, I started finding them.
0: I didn't know that A Walk in the Woods had this... See, And again, I haven't read it, so um, all I know about it is just from, like, people's stereotypes and stuff. I was under the impression that it was, like, kind of making a mockery of the AT. Maybe not making fun of the AT, but just, like, this guy was, like, kind of a goof. And, like, I, I, I always thought it was, like, a comedy book like
1: no it is but but because he didn't hike the whole thing he had to add in all of his other stuff because he had to fill up the book somehow mm -hmm. that's my theory anyway
0: interesting yeah maybe i should read it comment below everybody let me know if i should actually read it i feel like it's going to be very mixed but um yeah
1: actually i have one more yeah yeah so this book this book did another positive thing for me actually So about a year before I hiked the AT, I posted about the book on Instagram. I decided to reread it. It had been a few years. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get re-inspired. So I reread it and I posted about it on Instagram. And a friend of mine from my college study abroad program reached out and she was like, hey, I also want to hike that trail. Maybe we should hike it together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then we ended up, we hadn't seen each other in years. We ended up meeting up that summer for a weekend of backpacking, ended up deciding like, okay, we're going to go do this for real. And then we ended up hiking the whole trail together. Wow. But like, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if I would have had the guts to quit my job if I had not also had her going with me. Like she'd mm-hmm. already told her boss, it was come down to the wire. And I was like, well, I guess we're going. Yeah. So I guess I have to go hand in my resignation. Nice. So-
0: That's incredible. So I feel like a lot of the time you when people in, in relation to hiking with somebody usually the advice people give is don't <laughs> or at least don't start with yeah. somebody you know kind of hike your own hike like do your own pace and if you start to meet up with people along the way that's fine but usually people will say yeah don't start with anybody um and to that i will usually agree except for If you know that you have similar hiking paces, like me and my friend Flossie, for instance, that I did most of the PCT with, we started together and we knew beforehand we had hiked together a ton. We knew that we had similar styles and similar paces, but I don't know. Had you guys like worked all that out or was it a little bit of kind of a shot in the dark and it kind of just happened to work out? Oh no,
1: we didn't work that out at all. No,
0: that's (laughs) incredible that it actually worked out that way then.
1: Yeah, it was kind of nuts, but we weren't close, like so we had studied abroad to Madagascar together in college. Like that's where we met. And it was a really interesting program. Like we were living in tents for a semester at a research center in a rainforest. And we used to go hiking in the rainforest together all the time, like just exploring where we were. Um, and that was in 2005. So You know, 2018 was quite a few years later and we'd only seen each other like two or three times since then. But we were just sort of like, well, we know that we have already lived in a remote location together before. Like when we were in Madagascar, we didn't have phones or internet or anything. So we spent a lot of time together Mm -hmm. and we also just went into it thinking like, okay, it'll be nice to start with someone if we're not getting along, if this isn't working, it's okay if we separate. So, it's okay so that if we is don't a conversation you guys
0: had beforehand.
1: Yeah, but nothing about pace or like our hiking goals. Or we were just sort of like, okay, let's just start <laughs> together and see how it goes. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it is. I think it is good that you guys had that conversation about potentially splitting up. And and I th- I feel like a lot of the time, like I said a second ago, people give the advice to just don't hike with someone or don't start with somebody else. But I do think that what you guys did is like totally fine. Um, clearly, uh, and even if you didn't stick together, I think it's totally fine as long as you have that conversation about what do we do if we split up? Is that going to be like a big deal, or like are or at least acknowledge that that is a very real possibility? Because if you go into it with the attitude of we're never going to split up, or you just don't think about that when it quite likely does come up, then you're kind of just going to be lost. But I think you guys, it is bold what you guys did, but I do think that having that conversation was smart and I think you guys went about it um, in the right way. What What advice would you have for people that are going to be starting together like this? And, and again, I'm talking people that you've never done a long like hike before. Maybe you've only done a little bit or no backpacking together.
1: Yeah, my advice would be to go out on a shakedown hike, like at least for a long weekend or maybe a week. Go out in the rain or when it's cold or when it's hot, when conditions are not ideal, and go out together and see how you both handle it and Mm -hmm. see what happens to your attitudes and just – kind of see what might come out of the other sure. person and if you are compatible.
0: Yeah, that I think that's that's good advice for sure. I think that and like I just said, just talk about the possibility of splitting up. and
1: Yeah, I think open communication is key for sure. And I, I think like go into it not necessarily expecting to be tied to the other person because you don't know how your bodies are going to react or your minds are going to react. Like, you know, some people might thrive doing 20, 30 mile days. Other people might want to take it slow. Like, and that was a big, that was a big argument. I had a trail family and that was something we were always fighting about was pace. And, uh, I recently, I wrote a memoir about hiking the AT which is coming out in a couple of days from when we're filming this. And so I was like, re I was revisiting everything that I was going through on the trail. And this, was just a constant argument for the entire trail, and if I could go back, I'd be like, you know what, this isn't this isn't working with the trail family. We should just stop arguing about this and let everyone do what they want to do. Yeah, you know it's cliche. Everyone says hike your own hike, but you know it might be the only through hike that you ever get. So yeah, you should do it the way that you want to do it.
0: It's a it's a good point for sure. Um, okay, so what was your what was your start? I'm assuming you went northbound. What what was your start date? northbound
1: yeah so I started March 20th and I finished September 16th
0: okay so you would have been ahead of me the entire time then so we I don't think we would have crossed paths although I was I was I was gaining on you (laughs) throughout the summer but um no you would have because I started May 14th and I finished
1: May why did you start in May I I remember seeing on your I
0: just graduated college I went from Walking on stage, getting my diploma to on top of Springer Mountain within, I think it was like a uh, four day, maybe three day time period, something like wow. that. Like I started because I knew I was starting late, obviously. And so I did want to start as soon as possible. I just couldn't. But um, I finished October 1st. And so.
1: Oh, you were definitely gaining. On I was me, gaining on sure. you, but <laughs> I, I
0: wouldn't have I wouldn't have caught you then. I'm sure there were some folks that overlapped, though. I'm sure we met some of the same people and. And at some point, but, um, that would have been, see, I, I love having this conversation with people because I think if, if you haven't through hiked before, you don't realize how easy it would be to be on trail at the same time in the same place as somebody, but never actually have come into contact with them. Or maybe you pass each other one day and you don't even talk or one person's in the privy and you pass them or they're in town or something. It happens more often than you might think. And so, that's why I was curious because we hiked the same year. I was like, shit, I wonder if we like or even if we did interact and we just don't remember, which is also a, a very high probability because you just meet so many people. Um that would have been funny, but I guess not. Darn. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember seeing that you, I remember seeing that you hiked the PCT late too. You have a May start for that too?
0: Yeah, that was more because of permits. And um also some others like life circumstances too. Um that one I don't regret starting late on the AT at all. On the PCT, I definitely regret it because it increases your chances of fire closures. Although, you know, it's a roll of the dice no matter when you start, but it seems like later season you're more likely to have that. But um on the A T it was as long as you're disciplined and you uh keep it moving. You can do a May start day and and you're ready for some humidity in the South. <laughs> uh, then you can, uh, you can do it for sure. Some people would prefer that over the snow and st- in the cold you got at the beginning. I imagine you got at the beginning starting in uh, March down South.
1: Oh my gosh. It was so cold. It was so cold for like the first month on trail. Like I used to wear all my clothes all the time. Like I constantly had my rain gear on even when, even when it wasn't raining. Like it was brutal. My first morning on trail, i woke up to snow covering my tent and i just i just kept thinking spring will be here soon <laughs> spring and my trail legs yeah. are going to show up eventually
0: <laughs> yeah and it happens what a what a totally different perspective on the at than than folks with a later start date like me have like it's very interesting because right from the start some of the most mild weather I had was actually right at the very beginning. And then it got hot pretty quickly. Um, so like, it's totally different. It's just totally like all the leaves were already out on the trees by the time I started, like totally different. It's very interesting. Um,
1: yeah. So as I was writing my book, I, 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 so I was doing it by going through my journal entries and stuff. And like in there, I talk about how, as soon as we crossed the border into Virginia, that's when the leaves sprouted and it started looking like spring. Wow. So, I mean, that was four hundred, five hundred. 500 yeah, miles Yeah, I was going to say, like, a yeah. lot of
0: miles, over 400 miles. Like, yeah, totally different. Like, incredible. And then even when you, by the time you finished, you got a little bit of fall, I guess. You know, mid-September is not, you know, full-on foliage, probably. But I'm sure it was starting to cool off up in Maine. And I'm sure you got a little bit of that. So, that's, you got a little taste of that, too. So, what a what an interesting perspective
1: yeah so we were still swimming all throughout the 100 mile wilderness you know there are so many ponds and lakes and streams in there so we still were like doing a ton of swimming but then the nights would be pretty cold and like i remember looking at the weather forecast for the week after we got off trail and it it was the air temperature was going to drop significantly so i was like Okay, I don't really want to be done, but my body's falling apart and it's about to get cold, so I guess it's fine. I can leave now. Yeah. But we saw for sure like the leaves were just starting to change and the plants. But I really want to go back and do the Hunter mile again sometime in like peak foliage. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's so interesting because while you were saying that, I was thinking pretty much the exact opposite. I did it like basically in peak foliage. I don't remember exactly if it was, but it was, you know, end of very end of September and, um, it was awesome. And so when I go back and do it again, I'd like to do it in the middle of the summer so I can take advantage of the swimming and stuff. Cause I don't think I really swam at all in any of the lakes or rivers or anything. Cause at that point it was starting to get chilly. So yeah, like total, oh, total opposite.
1: <laughs> what a waste. That's okay. Oh, I had so plenty <laughs> I had
0: plenty of swimming along my through hike and I got to see the leaves and we got pretty good weather going through there too. So I don't, I don't mm-hmm. have an, in those in the, the, River crossings were easy too. So I don't, I don't have any
1: Oh, for us too. Okay, good yeah. cuz
0: I know a lot of people this year that was not the case going through there and other oh spots my as well. So super crazy. So
1: I I pretty much never watch videos about the AT just because I'm like I loved the AT so much and I would love to go back and do it someday but I don't want to keep it like front and center in my mind, you know, I'm like I got to move on, do other stuff. Yeah, sure. But this this year I kept hearing about the flooding and stuff, so I watched yeah. a few videos of at going through, and I was like, that is not what I experienced, nope. and that looks pretty pretty brutal.
0: Yeah, it, it was crazy from what I've seen and probably a lot of those same videos. Um, yeah, it's nuts, but since we're talking about the A-T now, um, we should talk about the 12 tribes thing, I guess, because this okay. is something that's often talked about uh, when it comes to the A-T, but it hasn't been talked about too much on this podcast, other than maybe some passing um, you know, mentions and stuff here and there. so let's talk about it and and just to kind of like um start this conversation off, I just want to say, we're gonna mostly focus on our experiences staying with 12 tribes and maybe some of the experiences we've heard from other people that we know. we're not really gonna get too much into like the more broader uh controversies relating to 12 tribes. Um, reason being is we're not experts on that. Um, and so if you're not familiar with what 12 tribes is, we will kind of define that, but, um, just know that they're quite controversial and, uh, you can go do some Googling and you'll find some stuff about ways that the various controversies related to the way that they treat their children and women and some other groups as well. And like, you know, it, it
1: there's, a, there's also an episode about them on a Hulu show called oh, really? Colts and Extreme Belief.
0: Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so people
1: can watch that too yeah. if they want to
0: and, and learn I,
1: a little more.
0: Yeah, and I made a video about them on my main channel, the Kyle Heights Hiking Channel. I think it was maybe last year, about this time last year or something. And um, I have a little bit more info on there. But um, since this is a hiking-specific podcast, I do want to stick more to the hiking side of things and how they relate to the AT. And, um, I guess to start though, I mean, we should probably, most people probably are familiar at least vaguely with who they are, but we should probably start by kind of defining who they are. And and I'll let you give your definition, Audrey, for me, my understanding, and I'm going to be a little generous to them here. My understanding is that they are 12 tribes, uh, is like a religious group. We'll say, um, but they're, I don't really think you'd consider them like Christian, I don't really know to be honest. They would they would consider themselves just like a religious group, um, and they're very. It's very interesting because they're like very like strictly religious, obviously, but then they also, like, they they have this like hippie vibe to them as well. It's mm-hmm. like a very bizarre mix of like very you know conservative, um, religious mixed with like. Hi- hippie like kind of free spirited vibes it's very interesting um, but most people on trail are going to refer th- to them as a cult that's not I'm not saying that's what they are I'm just saying that is what most people refer to them as and this
1: allegedly they might be a cult yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and that's how you're probably going to hear them uh, mentioned on trail not they They don't they certainly object to that um,
1: oh absolutely Actually, I saw one of their whiteboards in their like general house mm-hmm. and this was in a classroom that they had upstairs and they literally put on there like how do we get people over calling us a cold? Oh, really? So they they know, they know that people refer to yeah, them that way. And they
0: they object to it for sure. Yes, um, they object to it. But anyways, um, another very and this is kind of getting into the more trail side of things. Another very um, interesting thing about them is the 12 tribes of it is they have this, this thing called the yellow deli and they have a bunch of these locations all around the U S and the world, I believe because um, mm-hmm. this is a worldwide organization, uh, cults or religious group, depending on how you
1: international religious group, yeah,
0: whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Um, <laughs> And they have these delis that are just like delis. So they're just like a regular restaurant. You walk in and um, they happen to have one of these in Rutland, Vermont, which is a trail town on the AT. And they also have a hostel there for hikers. And I stayed there in 2018. Audrey, it sounds like you stayed there too. And so...
1: I did. I did. It's a little
0: bit controversial because um, I'm assuming it's still the same now, I believe. Uh, It's free to stay there, which is different than other hostels along the at and, and yeah you know,
1: donation based or, or
0: y- actually yes i'm glad you said that um but there it seems like their motivations are a little different than other hostels along the at this is my I
1: suspect that might be the case. this is my
0: opinion um you know everyone's entitled to their I, opinion. I have
1: some i have some evidence supporting that actually okay but we'll get to that sorry
0: i've been i've been rambling this whole time yeah why don't you take over for a little bit here uh your def does my definition sound fair like i don't know um talk about your experience or actually before we do that do you think there's anything else just about them and about the way that they relate to trail that we need to cover before we get into like our actual experiences there
1: yeah i would just say so they have multiple chapters in the united states and there are multiple chapters that are near the AT So their hiker hostel and Yellow Deli is in Rutland, Vermont, which is definitely a trail town that most people stop at. But I know that they have chapters down south that are near the trail as well. Like I heard different stories of people staying on one of their farms in Virginia or North Carolina. Oh,
0: okay. I've heard that, too, but I I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you mentioned that.
1: Yeah, and then I first ran into them at Trail Days. I don't know if you went to Trail Days, but they were there and they had a food no, truck. I, didn't.
0: I, I I have heard about I've never been to AT trail days. I will be going this year though, so everybody, comment oh, if you're nice. going. But um I had I, I have heard that they go to trail days and like feed people and I don't I don't know what else they do. That's all I've heard basically. But yeah, I, I am aware that they go to trail days.
1: Yeah, so you can purchase food from their food truck at trail days and whatever, but I know my friends and I were really, really interested in going to stay at their hiker hostel in Rutland because they have such a big reputation on the AT. And like when you're this, it's probably the same for other long trails. But when you're on the AT, like gossip and word about everything spread so fast. And so everybody was talking about the 12 tribes in the Yellow Deli. So I know I was really excited to go have like a cultural experience and stay at their hiker hostel. And so my friends and I learned we were in Vermont and we were scheduled to get to their hostel in Yellow Deli on a Saturday. And then a very kind southbounder, and I don't usually say nice things about southbounders, <laughs> but in this case, I will. This very kind southbounder let us know that he had stayed at the Yellow Deli at the hostel and he was like, but the restaurant is closed on Saturdays, they're open for 24 hours a day except on Friday from 3 PM to Sunday at noon, because that's like their Sabbath Mm -hmm. and Sabbath celebration and whatnot. So we had to like speed up our pace to get there in time because everybody coming southbound was talking about how amazing the food was at the Yellow Deli. And if you're hiking northbound, by the time you get to Vermont, you're really freaking hungry. And so we were like, we don't want to miss out on this opportunity. So we ended up speeding up our pace to get there before the restaurant closes for the weekend. And it was well worth it. It was so delicious. Like everything is homemade. They have all these farms that they own. So they bring in like fresh veggies and they have a bread maker for every chapter. Um, so we got there, we got to eat at the yellow deli and then staying at the hostel, they invited us to their Friday night Sabbath celebration because we had arrived on a Friday. And so they came and picked us up in their bus and they took us to like their kind of like common house where they have group events and where they teach the kids and have like the school room that I was talking about. And so we went and experienced this and it was honestly really, really fun. So we get there and we all stand in a huge circle and they all talk about what they're grateful for from that week And then from there, they all they do this like group singing, they all know the same songs, and they they were singing all these things for us, they sit us down for dinner. And again, like everything's homemade, the food was incredible. And then they put one of their members at each table, at least one member at each table. Um, So at my table, there was a bread maker. And they invited us to just ask any questions that we wanted to ask, like, you know, it was like a learning opportunity. His name was Love. He told us that you know he had joined and become a bread maker and the chapter in Rutland needed a bread maker. They didn't have one. So if there was a need for someone at any chapter, you could be sent to any chapter. So just because you join in Rutland doesn't mean you're going to stay in Rutland and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Even internationally, but just invited... I
0: wonder, That's, that could be interesting.
1: I'm, I'm not sure yeah, I guess how that would work with really visas know, and but, um, stuff. But... Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And then we did all of these group dances that they taught us as well, which involved a lot of like holding hands and spinning in circles. And it was just like a really, really fun time. And one of their, they have a lot of businesses. So the yellow delis, that's one of their businesses having the chain of restaurants. And they have these different, like, I think they have tanneries or manufacturing plants or something. And one of their businesses is that they sell yerba mate, which is a type of tea. And so they kept like the whole night that we were there giving us more and more like tea blends to drink. And it's not caffeinated, but it has another stimulant similar to caffeine in it. So by the time we left, we were like so wired and having like the best time. And we all felt so strange getting back on trail the next day, probably because we were really dehydrated from all of this tea. Yeah, probably. But it's just a really interesting experience. But one, one, way that the their kind of more conservative nature came out was that in the hostel, they have separate bunk rooms for men and women. And so I had gone there with my guy friends and so they were in one room and I had to be by myself in another room, but it ended up working out great because the guy's room was really full and like there were snores and all the things you get when you stay at hostels. And then the women's room, I think there were only like four of us in there and we just got to have like girl chat, and it was really quiet and clean and nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I I definitely think that people should do their research about the organization and know what they're going into and be cautious. But I I had a really great time there. Honestly, I, I'm
0: I'm glad that you did, and I'm glad that you are you know speaking so openly about this because they do obviously have a very mixed reputation, and I'm sure you've heard accounts of people who did not maybe have as great of a time there. And I think what's a little bit, so
1: I, I really, I really haven't, okay, interesting. um, from, from hikers, but interestingly, I met someone here in Boulder. So there's a 12 tribes in Boulder. We have a yellow deli and I met a woman at a party once who'd grown up in the Rutland chapter okay. and she didn't, she did not have a great time. So I've heard negative accounts in that regard, but I didn't really hear any from other hikers.
0: Yeah. Um, I definitely have, but I've also heard, to be fair, probably more positive ones than negative ones um, from hikers specifically. I think um, I think the reason they're kind of controversial in relation to the AT, at least, and I guess maybe because I, I think they have a presence on some other trails too, although maybe not quite as strong on those trails as is as, as it is on the AT. But um, if, if to me, it kind of seems like they are targeting hikers for recruitment a little bit by, by
1: offering Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. My server at the yellow deli in Rutland had been a Southbound hiker the year before. And so she, she had come there from Maine stopped and joined.
0: Yeah. So I think it's worth noting this because, um, if you think about it from their perspective, it, it's not a bad plan to be honest, because hikers, Mm -hmm you know, I'm going to have to stereotype here. Of course, it's this isn't going to be true for everybody. But, you know, generally speaking, hikers are maybe a little bit more open to these new experiences. You're not really on a strict schedule. You're probably not working if you're hiking. So maybe you have a greater opportunity to like kind of wing it and kind of join an organization like this. Um,
1: and people are out there searching for something, exactly, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. And so you give them... A free or donation based hostel you give them food you give them this unique experience you know it kind of it kind of makes it kind of makes sense and, and this is definitely a little bit controversial um i'll talk a little bit about my experience which i'll be honest was not as interesting as yours it sounds like I've, can, i can i
1: just add one yeah thing yeah first? yeah sure Um, Just in terms of recruitment. So when I first came out to Boulder for my job interview after the AT, I had a little time to kill. Like I'd never been to Boulder. I was staying at my friend's house in Denver. So I came a little early. I just wanted to make sure I knew where I was going and yada yada since I'd never been here before. And so I ended up going to the Yellow Deli and grabbing lunch. And so I was talking to one of the workers and he was like, oh, have you ever been here before? And I was like, well, I'm new in town, but I've you know, I hiked the AT, so I stayed at the hiker hostel in Vermont. And he was like, "Oh, yeah, we really want to open up more hostels like that. Like, we really want to open up a PCT hostel."
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So I, I think they're like, "Oh, this recruitment, it must work." Yeah. If they, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, which, you know, it's not illegal. Certainly, you know, there's nothing wrong there. I do think. Most of you watching and listening can probably understand why it's a little bit controversial because most hostels along trail, they're either doing it because they're trail angels and they want to give back to the trail or they're doing it for profit um, and it's a business for them. But the Yellow Deli, they have this, and you know, they'll probably never outright say this, but you know, they do clearly have this other motivation in mind. And whether you think that's right or wrong is or you know that's up to you but i do think it's just important to make that clear with that said i, I another thing i think that it's important to make clear is that it, at least from my experience and it sounds like from yours too and that's all we can speak about is you know they're not going to just kidnap you the second you walk in the door they're not going to just overwhelm you with recruitment um they're not going to be like wicked pushy like this and and, and and from my experience, so the first time I ever went there was actually in 2016 when I was doing the Long Trail, and I went in. I I knew about them, you know. It's everybody knows about them before they go to Rutland. It, people will start talking about them, you know, a couple days before you get there. And um, I went to the the deli, but I didn't stay overnight. And I was kind of like, this food's incredible. It's kind of a weird vibe, whatever. Didn't really think too much about it. Um, and then on the AT, a couple of years later. Obviously, I I was familiar with the Yellow Deli and stuff because I had been there. And you know, when people started talking about it, I was actually quite against staying there because of the stereotypes I had heard. I had this kind of preconceived notion, and um, I didn't want to stay there. But my friends did want to stay there. I think more so because it was a quite affordable place and a convenient location in town for hikers to stay too. And so they really really wanted to stay there. And I was like, all right, fine, dude, whatever, we'll stay there. And so we did. And because I was familiar with them and I was, you know, I went in with the idea that this is a recruitment tool for them. And so I'm not going to even give them a chance. And so I wasn't a dick or anything like that, obviously, but I was very intentional about not engaging in conversation other than simple pleasantries with any of the workers. I, I kept to myself. I, you know, I made it very, very clear that I wasn't interested in any of that. And um, nobody was pushy. I don't even think anybody even tried to ask to tell me more about their organization or anything like that. Um they even gave us a private room for the four of us, which is pretty cool. We didn't have to stay in the bunkhouse.
1: Oh, that is nice. Yeah,
0: I don't know how my friends got that, but um and it was fine. I never felt unsafe. I never felt pressured or, or anything like that. And that does seem to be the vast majority of people's experience. Uh, I I'll tell you right now, I would not have left town with them to go do something like like you did. Um, But clearly it was fine and actually sounded like a very positive experience. So I don't know. Did you ever feel maybe not even pressured, but did you ever feel the recruitment at all or anything like that while you were off uh, out of town? No.
1: No, no not at all. Um I was I was still in town though. I was still in Rutland, okay. but just a, a bus right away. But no, and honestly like I went in being like I want to have this cultural experience and see what these people are all about. Like not that I was open to joining by any means or anything yeah. like that, but I just really wanted to like see what these people were like and what their lives were like and so I spent a lot of time talking to the people, but I mean, th- they really never, like, one-on-one, there definitely was no sort of recruitment or really telling me more about the organization, nothing like that. Just, I mean, just more basic facts, like, oh, this is where our, you know, this is what we do on Friday nights, and Saturday is our day of rest, yeah, yeah. and things like that, but there, I never felt like there was any recruitment. My theory was I was too old, because I was in my mid-30s, mm-hmm. so... I mean, you I, know, I anticipate young people are a little more attractive for them. And like a, a lot of the yellow delis are in college towns.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That makes um, so maybe maybe that was part of it. But
0: and again, we're just speculating now. Um, but
1: yeah, this is pure speculation. Yeah, exactly. Just- exactly. I, th- I think we made <laughs> that
0: clear. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering, too, if there is like a specific personality that they're looking for. And maybe if they kind of identify that, if they would like go in a little bit harder on trying to recruit them because they do So you see, I always hear again I didn't do this but I always hear about them trying to invite people to their farm that's what I always hear they, they'll oh, they'll invite you yeah. to the farm but I never I can't recall specifically talking to anybody that went to the farm do, do you know anything about this farm I always hear about
1: yeah, I I definitely talked to some people that went to the farm and had a positive experience, okay. kind of the same thing. Like, you know, you get on a bus and they take you out to the farm and show you around and you can help out and do some chores on the farm. And I, I heard of people having a really fun experience doing it. Yeah. Like, okay. So my, my family didn't stay there like a full day. You know, we got there on a Friday, like midday. We left on Saturday, but if I had been there longer, I, I would have gone to the farm.
0: <laughs> nice. I respect it. See, this is totally different than me. I was like, absolutely no, not interested. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, res- can, I respect can I,
1: it. Can I share one more thing I heard about them? Uh,
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely.
1: Okay, this is alleged. Yeah. I don't know if this is true, but I remember hearing that if you stayed at the hostel for multiple days that they would assign you like a secret special friend who would, after you left the hostel, they'd kind of pop up where you were to make it kind of seem like serendipitous that, Oh, Hey, we're running into each other again. Mm -hmm. And you know, also as a, maybe a recruitment tactic, but I don't know if that's true. That's just a rumor that I heard on the trail. Sure.
0: Yeah. If, and if any, if anybody has heard that or even better has experience with that, leave it in the comments. Um, and, and also anybody watching, uh, leave your 12 tribes, yellow deli experience in the comments as well. Um, and we'll hopefully educate people a little bit more about this because if you're on the AT and maybe other trails in the future, it sounds like Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's good to know this stuff because when you get close to Rutland, like I said, you're going to start hearing about it. And I think it's good to go in just with the information that you, you know, with some information about them, because that way you're not going to go in totally blind and naive and potentially fall victim to their recruitment, uh, maybe, uh, and you're also not just going to completely write them off either because obviously people still do have good experiences with them. I don't regret my experience. It sounds like you don't either. Um, so I.
1: No, it was super, super interesting. Yeah. And I found them to be really kind. I mean, maybe there was an ulterior motive there, but the fact is they were really kind to me and I saw them be really kind to other hikers. Yeah, so and that
0: was my experience too. And so I think it's good to know the stuff. And also, I do think it is worth just. Doing a search on twelve tribes in general because like I said, there has my understanding is there's there they haven't gotten in any legal trouble here in the U.S. There they did. So this is I'll keep this brief because I don't want to stray from trail too much. I know they were accused of starting a fire in Colorado, I think, a couple years ago. That was here. But but I but I think that they never ended up getting in trouble for it. Like maybe they had
1: They didn't, but they did say that they were at least one of the causes of the fire maybe yeah
0: I can't remember exactly what happened there so we won't speculate on something we're not oh fully- well I can
1: I can tell you I can tell you though because it's been in the news here so they they, um, they they'll they do like open burning on their land they have land here and I think they burn their trash I don't know if they I think brush maybe too and so they were doing some open burning when there were like 90 mile per hour winds <laughs> Then it was really dry because we just hadn't really gotten any snow. It was um, December, I want to say 2021. Um, and so they hadn't fully put out one of their fires. And because of the insane winds and the dry conditions, it caught, I think, a shed or something on fire. And then it started a bigger fire where a bunch of homes burned down. But they're not sure that that was the only cause of the fire. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm reading
0: here... Um... I don't think they were ever charged. I think it sounds like it might have been blown out of proportion a little bit. I'm just skimming here. Um,
1: well, so basically, they came out with a report that said that they were one of the causes, but it wasn't like they hadn't necessarily done anything criminally negligent or anything like that. It, it just sounds like it was bad luck.
0: Let's see. Invest. This is just one headline I'm reading. Investigation included investigation concluded 12 tribes not responsible for 2021 call. I mean, clearly they were, I think it, it is pretty clear that they, I mean, having a fire uh, in windy conditions, obviously stupid. I'm not trying to absolve them of that, whether or not they, it sounds like they weren't the only cause and to blame it all on them. But anyways, my, my whole point w- with bringing this up is that was a little bit of a controversial thing they did in the U S but um, other than that, I, they've never really, been in any legal trouble here. I do know internationally they have. I think in Germany they did get in some trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that um, too. I think in relation to the way that they were treating their children. I don't remember the details. We're not even going to get into it. But my my overall point here is just, you know, before you stay there, it's good to have all this information. And I do think it is worth a Google at least to kind of see if morally this is something that you'd be okay with, even if they do treat you fine and everything. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. But what a weird little quirk of the AT this is I feel
1: like the AT, the AT has a lot of quirks and this is one of the big ones, but I don't know. It's, it's not every day that you get to stay at the hostel of a, an alleged cult. So
0: yeah, I don't regret anything, um, based on my experience and it sounds like you don't either. So just good to know. And yeah, like I said a second ago, leave your comments w- about these guys, uh, and let me know don't be a dick but you know be honest and especially if you're if you have some personal experience with them I'm interested to hear that and I'm sure a lot of other people watching would be as well um
1: I I have a couple of videos on my YouTube channel about them and one of one of the videos is just like one of one of the first five videos that I made for my YouTube channel my friend was like I think that my non-hiking friend was like I think your experience staying with them sounds really interesting. You should make a video about it. So my video is probably not very good because it was one of the first ones I made, but I ended up having to turn the comments of the videos about them off because people would just leave like the craziest comments and like, I would get threats on there too, oh, like oh you're gonna get you're gonna get sued for this, which I thought I gave a really balanced you're not get you know, kinda like lot. I'm yeah. Kinda like I'm saying to you, like, Oh, there's some controversy, but I had a fun time saying with yeah,
0: them. We're we're trying um, to be balanced. But, I think compared to the way that some people talk about them on trail, we've been incredibly fair to them. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> um,
1: I think so too. I agree. But yeah, people were getting crazy, so I had to turn those comments off. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, it's be nice. Trail Tales listeners are awesome, so I don't anticipate it getting too crazy. So please be uh, respectful, Perfect. everybody. But be <laughs> honest, too. That's okay. We, we want we want that. Um, I think it's story time. We've had a lot of stories already. Ooh, but um, this is... Are getting I'm there already? We are. I know. It's already been an hour. Isn't that crazy?
1: That is crazy. It's been so fun talking to yeah,
0: you. Yeah. Um, before we get into a story... Before we get into the story, though, um, where can people go... Find you, I know you, you talked about this book coming out, and plug your YouTube, and this is, you know, plugs. Let's do some plugs.
1: Perfect. Okay, so I have a hiking YouTube channel. It's called Audrey Adventures. And I have a memoir coming out this week, probably by the time you see this, it will already be out. It's coming out February 8th and it's about my AT trial experience. So if you're interested in what it's like to hike the AT or you're just interested in like an inspiring story of what happens if you follow your dreams, um, you can check it out on Amazon and Kindle. It's called Where the Rhododendrons Bloom. And then I'm over on Instagram and TikTok at Audie Payne.
0: Awesome. I will have a link to that stuff in the show notes and description as well. And um, all right. What do you have for us for an end of episode story?
1: Okay, this story comes with a there's a lesson in the story. Perfect. perfect. (laughs) Okay, I guess I should first ask, you're not sponsored by Jetboil, are you?
0: (laughs) No, no, I'm not. Jetboils are they seem like really nice car camping tools. I don't think I'd bring one. Backpacking, personally, but anyways, yeah, no.
1: Yeah, I personally, I've never heard. Even if I was,
0: by the way, you're allowed to shit on people that have sponsored me. To be perfectly clear.
1: (laughs) Okay, cool. Just thought I better double check. So I went backpacking in Rocky Mountain National Park last summer with three of my friends, and backpack trip is going great. Having a great time. First night at camp, we're sitting there cooking dinner. And my friend Johnny is sitting by his tent and he's about to start cooking. He's got his water in his pot, whatever. He's got a jet boil. He lights it up and it explodes. Like explodes. Damn. And it doesn't like explode and then go away. It like there are massive flames coming out of this thing. And so we all run over with all the water that we have. We douse it. It goes out for a second. It explodes again. And we could not get this thing out. We were in a really dry pine forest being in Colorado. This was really close to his tent. Like it could have burned his tent. It could have burned the forest down And this er air. This area of Colorado, too, has already suffered from a lot of wildfires. Not this particular place where we were, but very close to it. Like part of our hike was through burned forest. And Luckily, we were camped right next to a big creek, and it was early summer. So Colorado, early summer, lots of snow melt coming through the creeks and rivers and everything. So we were camped by this Russian creek that was down a hill. And luckily, he was able to kick it while it was still like engulfed in flames down to the creek. Oh, wow. And got it into the creek, and then it went out and then went down the creek. (laughs) But if we had not been by this creek, I am... 100% A hundred percent certain we would have burned this forest down, mm. and possibly we would all be dead, yeah, damn <laughs> like it was re- it was really scary and so the so the lesson there, I think is like I know I've been guilty of this myself, a lot of people get lazy cooking their vestibules, especially if there's a storm or something. if he'd been cooking in his vestibule, he'd be dead, like no question
0: mm-hmm. I wonder, so did he ever? follow up with Jetboil about this to try to get to the cause of what happened.
1: Uh, I don't know if he did or not. I know my other friend that was on the trip like left Jetboil some bad reviews. Yeah,
0: cuz I wonder I wonder if it was something wrong with the actual stove itself or if it was something wrong with the canister maybe and it wasn't Jetboil's fault. I, I we probably aren't really going to be able to know. I mean, that's nuts, dude. I
1: I think it was a, I think it was a jet boil canister as well. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I guess that answers that then. (laughs) Damn, Super sketchy. Wow. So
1: so you wouldn't, you would not catch me. I mean, I've, I've seen other bad things about jet boil too, just them not working after a little bit and then you can't use someone else's stove with a different pot or whatever because the pot is connected to it but uh i personally after seeing that i would never use a jet boil and also i uh i would not cook in my vestibule either
0: yeah damn well i'm glad that you guys ended up being okay um that's nuts jet boil it was
1: really it was really scary yeah and we tried to like we tried to follow the creek and like look for the stove too, like, cause you know, there'd be kind of barriers where trees had fallen and stuff. And we were like, we should try to probably get this out of this Creek, but we couldn't find it.
0: Well, damn, I'm, I'm glad you guys were okay. That's super sketchy. And, um, this episode, by the way, guys, has been brought to you by jet boil. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) uh, okay. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on here. Hopefully we covered the 12 tribes thing fairly. And, um, yeah. Thank you. We'll have to do another one.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on Kyle. Of I really appreciate yeah, it.
0: And, and, and thank you so much to everybody for watching and listening. If you're listening, dude, five-star reviews. I'm really harping on these lately. I want to get to a thousand five-star reviews on iTunes and a thousand on Spotify. I know a bunch of you have already left them and I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I've been reading them and they're awesome.
1: I'm going to go leave you a review. Oh, there we
0: go. I would appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Um, And if you're watching on YouTube and you haven't subscribed yet, dude, what are you doing? We're trying to get to 10K. Um, We're getting pretty good views on these uh, episodes lately, but I know the vast majority of you are watching, but you're not subscribed. So please subscribe. And if you already have, then I really appreciate that. Thank you. And um, I will see and talk to everybody next week.